Um, before we get into the episode, I just want to say, uh, sorry if you hear a noise. I kind of forgot how long the dryer takes on my laundry, and I might even have to step out. In the... No, I don't think I will. There's an hour on it. Well, we might go over an hour, but I might need to step out at the end so I can get my laundry out so they don't get wrinkly. Um, so sorry about that. I know this is the most professional podcast in all of <laughs> out there, but it's Labor Day. What can I say? Right? We're recording this and on none Labor None of us Day. are laboring. None of us are laboring except for my uh, dryer, you know? Uh, automated. <laughs> He's doing AI. <laughs> He's doing it. Um... But yeah, anyways, why are we talking about dryers? Guys, fellas, boys, boys, boys. We're back. It's back to just the three of us. It's been been a while since it's been just the three old. What are they? How long has it been? A little over two months? Two and a half months? Three months? It's been since uh, May. Since May. Yeah, three months. Because then I left to Chicago and then uh, went everywhere and then you went to Hong Kong. And then I went to Japan, and then we're back, and now we're here. Chris, how was Hong Kong? How'd you like it? Oh, it was. Back home. I I loved being back home. Um, anyone listening who's never been, um, highly highly recommend it. Especially if you've never been to Asia, it's a pretty, like um, like especially if you only speak English, it's a relatively English friendly uh place. You know, you'll be able to get around fairly easily. I feel like countries like developed countries in Asia, like South Korea, Japan, Hong Kong, a couple of other countries here and there are very friendly. Philippines is great too. Thailand's awesome. Um, but yeah, I love being home. Uh, it's been, it had been three years um, since I last went home to see my family uh, because of COVID and then this and that and then just timing and then here we are now. But yeah, it was a really great time. I loved being home, seeing my friends, my family and reconnecting with the city. Uh, that was a really important thing for me while I was there, and I'm glad oh, I got to do that. I'm glad you got to go back home, man. Yeah. Well, you know, you're back here. It's sad that you're going to be gone from home again, but you got home here, Chris. Uh-huh. In, in, and guess what? Because this is the first episode where Chris and I are recording from the same apartment. We now we live together. All of this, yeah. Everyone on Stack has lived with one another at one point. That's true. Lives. Yeah. You know? Um, and then I, there's two eras stacked of two of us recording from uh, the same locale. And that is, uh, this is the new era. There's a new era, you know? Last time was mm-hmm. the La Palma era. And then we were all separated. And now we're back in this new era. And then there'll be an even newer era pretty soon. So we won't talk tuned. about it yet. We're not going to really talk about it. We don't like talking about it. Um, we kind of hate talking about it. Just kidding. We won't Will there be a room? It. What? Will there be a Will room? Will there be a room? We'll see. There might be a corner. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll make it work. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to it's going to work out just fine. A little elbow grease. It's going to work out just fine. Um all right. So because Okay, I also got to say welcome back to Stacked episode 117. Look, there's the music, the show intro music. It's 3 minutes late. That's fine. Um today's episode we promised we'd do this right before we all left and went our separate ways for our own little solo adventures um why does brandon have a hammer okay put that away um (laughs) 
we promised that we would talk about uh, movies produced in Hong Kong. Hong Kong movies. Hong Kong films. Yay. In honor of Chris going back home, coming back home. I think it's t- finally time because this was recommended to us by one of our dear listeners, Alex. Alex, are you listening? You better be. I know where you live, man. I know your letterbox. <laughs> this one's for you, Alex. All right. That's right. Um, so, yeah, Chris, why don't you do you want to take the reins of this episode? Yeah, why not? Because you, you are the, you are the expert. Out of the three of us, Chris is the expert when it comes to these films. Mm-hmm. Brandon, you just stick your tongue out like you're on the schoolyard. <laughs> Shut up, man. Brandon's mad that he's not the expert this time. That's what's getting him. <laughs> <laughs> he's silent. All right, Chris, All right. take it away, man. Well, why don't we start with Brandon's favorite Hong Kong movie? And it also is my <laughs> favorite Hong Kong movie. Also is just my favorite movie. Oh. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, In the Mood for Love by Wong Kar Wai. Uh, I think one thing that is important to know about Wong Kar Wai um, is that in the local life in Hong Kong, he is not all that celebrated. I mean, he's always, he's known as a prolific director. People generally like, like him, but he's not like the end-all be-all embodiment of Hong Kong cinema, at least among the locals. Um, Ethan, I remember we talked about this phenomena a while ago, and we were talking about, like, um, you mentioned in Japan, Kurosawa is kind of in a similar boat, in the sense that he's deeply, he is very heavily revered and celebrated, but isn't kind of like, has isn't the legendary director that I think many of us film people tend to associate him as in the context right. of Japan. Yeah. Um, and I think Wong Kar Wai kind of falls into that kind of um, uh, spectrum as well. However so... Uh, I do think that Wong Kar Wai has de- earned his reputation uh, very, very well. Um, and I want to talk about this first movie because it is a deeply important movie to me. And many of his films are. Um, it's called In the Mood for Love. Um, I'll, get, I'll just give a quick synopsis on it and I'll, I'll let Brandon take the reins from there. But um, In the Mood for Love is a story about uh, two couples uh, who live right next to each other in 1960s Hong Kong. Um, it and throughout the story, uh, each a spouse from each marriage discovers that their own spouses are cheating on them with each other, if that makes sense. That's a lot of in and outs. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so there's, there's kind of this like mystery of how did these two get together and why are they cheating and this and that. But the movie does this really beautiful thing of exploring, not so much like going into like the, oh, I hate the spouse for doing that, like... Like, you know, this and that. Obviously, like, yeah, they ha- there's a lot of that kind of emotion and there's a lot of somberness that pervades over the film. But more importantly, the film is about these two, like, lost souls desperately trying to figure out why their spouses would do this to them while also navigating their own blossoming re- uh, relationship with one another, which also calls into a lot of questions about their morals of what they're doing and whether or not they feel okay, the surveillance they feel. Um, Brandon, I know this is a, this is a movie that you deeply love. I remember uh, recommending this to you many years ago. I was in Hong Kong actually when you watched it. Um, cause I think it was over the summer or something. Yeah. And I remember opening letterbox and seeing your review and just being so happy to see that you really connected with it. So what, what's your take on in the mood for love? Well, 
you know, it's a cut above the average romance tale, I think, because if you think about it, there's like so many different kinds of layers that are going on here. Like you said, it doesn't really, you know, often in cinema, we have a a pervading sense of wanting to like judge people and yeah. like make accusations that you, you see it with biopics nowadays with about bad people. Like the Napoleon biopic, people are like upset online about, oh, it's like about a murderer and a person who took over like a nation. And I'm like, so like just because they're a bad person or like maybe had like bad deeds doesn't mean that there isn't a compelling story to tell. And not that the characters in this film necessarily stoop so low because their honor like essentially avoids them acting upon their necessary urges that their spouses do but that's what makes it so compelling and beautiful because there is so much restraint and nuance yeah. to uh uh both uh maggie chung and uh sorry tony. uh tony watt to, sorry tony long's uh yeah. relationship in the film and performances mm-hmm. and i find that really compelling because the film is clothed in like reds and greens. And I noted that in my initial review when I saw it in 2018 and greens, like very representative of like jealousy and uh, greed. Yeah. And then red is passion, but like neither character really represents those colors. It's like, but it is the most common colors associated with love. Yeah. And That's in that way, mm-hmm. it is not only a richly characterized. Yeah. And that, <laughs> it's, but it's richly characterized <laughs> it's richly characterized in like the coloring and do. cinematography but mm-hmm. also inside the story in which there's also something to do with like i feel like class in the film and yeah absolutely um, uh, and especially a station with the 1960s you know that's a very different mm-hmm. time in history let alone in america as it is in hong kong where i mean i'm pretty sure it's somewhat similar in terms of like the social uh conservative nature uh very but like not the exact same thing it's it's slightly more i feel like it's slightly more westernized and traditional uh than like mainland china or other countries within the east but yeah Yeah. i love this movie it's great yeah ethan i know you have also been um you know you've been getting into wong kar wai these last few years um notably you had a uh, deeply, uh, a deep connection to Chunking Express when you rewatched it. We'll get to that. Well, should we um, just turn this into like I'll, I'll talk about Infinite with Love. I want Car Should we just talk? Oh, yeah, because he, he is like to me. He His is movie's like Hong Kong yeah. film. You know. Yeah. There's other that. great directors yeah, that go, I want to talk about, it. but for him, um, well, I, I, not much else to say for Infinite for Love. You guys perfectly like broke that movie down. I do need to rewatch it. It's been three years since I've seen it. And, uh, I want to rewatch it and then see 2046. Um, yeah, we'll it's do a sci-fi sequel, believe it or not. Um, but just, I just remember one of the things that I was just the most blown away by was how Wong Kar Wai was able to communicate emotion through color in the film. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever seen, um, really any other filmmaker do it quite like him besides honestly in like, <laughs> this is a weird comparison, but Jojo's bizarre adventure and how they sort of <laughs> use color to communicate stakes, uh, emotion, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and just like overall thematic elements in the show. I think 
Wong Kar Wai does a very similar thing in Mood for Love when like with using such dramatic reds and greens like you guys were saying. Um, yeah. Like it's so it's so dramatically colorful, which just like just make like sucks you in even more like a magnet. You know, you just get attached mm-hmm. to it. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a good film, uh, but it's not my favorite Wong Kar Wai film. And I wanted to talk about Chunking Express because. I think I think I've came, I've come to the conclusion that that is the most romantic movie I've ever seen in my life. I honestly believe so. Like in depicting like feelings of love, I think there's no other film that does that better in, in all the stages of love, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And just having these two, you know, uh, it's a bi fractured narrative. Is that that's what it's called, right? When it's just when it's two yeah. different stories it, that just they. There's just one little transition that turns one story to the other, to the other, and um, it's it's amazing. I just I remember hating this. I, we've talked about this film so many times on Stack recently that I don't feel like I need to go all too much into it. But if you know the story, I didn't like this film at all when I first saw it, and then I rewatched it. Uh, recent, I would say within the last in the last year, you know, in the last like. Uh, eight months, I would say. I rewatched it, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, just life experience made me like really feel for that film, you know. Um, and now it's one of my favorites ever. It went from movie I just did not like at all to literally in like my top thirty films of all time, you know, or even top twenty. I think I don't know. Um, it's that it's that good, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, we keep telling you to rewatch this film, but you haven't. Fuck you. I uh, just. <laughs> I don't really remember enjoying it the first time. I think and neither did I, Ethan, though. Me neither, dude. I, I enjoyed it less than you. Yeah. I just think there's certain things. It, it reminds me, honestly, like his works remind me of, at times, like French New Wave directors. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's absolutely influenced by them. Yeah. And they don't really like to focus on like narratives and themes as much as they like to focus on i think stylistic playing with the formula and feeling like feelings that pervade the film and for me that's not something that i very easily connect with you know narrative wise not that i don't think his because like in the mood for love i think is his most straightforward movie that i've seen of the three that i've seen from him I mean, I uh, so yeah. that was that is why I was able to connect with it a little better because it did feel like a traditional narrative, but also it was a cut above because of his like stylistic execution. It's just mm-hmm. for something I I really don't like the the dropping frames and slow motion. Oh. I hate that. I don't. Know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't like it in the oh. Saw movies, and You're I don't so... like it here. So. I I hated it one of the first time I watched. But you got it. It's now like it's one of the best things ever. Now it's so well, crazy. You say that about about what? But we have different experiences and different lives. I know, but we were both educated the same way, so now I understand <laughs> why those are so fucking cool now. No, you but know? I understand why they're cool. I just don't like think they're like. I know, cool but now you gotta watch it again to like. <laughs> now that you understand, now you can actually. He's accept. begging. He's begging. I am on begging. His hands and knees. I, I bet Ellie would love YouTube that movie. Burden. Put her, put her on the mic. I bet she'd love that movie. Um. Well, uh, actually, Brandon, you bring up a funny uh, talking point because Ethan and I the other day were talking about like our friends and our tastes in films and like what kind of things we tend to gravitate towards here and there. 
with like maybe certain themes we tend to really get into, tones, whatnot. And uh, when we got to talking about you, we, we we both agreed that you have a very like awful taste. You're very just... no. <laughs> that, that's, that's him talking. The what I was saying was like you. No, we you're, you're, very pot, script, you're you're a very script driven person. Yeah, I lo- and you love your performance yes. script, and I think editing are your favorite te- are your favorite tools of a filmmaker. Yeah, I would agree. I think if you pace the film well and it has a great script it doesn't really matter how visually dynamic it looks i mean it helps like to have a film that is visually dynamic and has that but it's not a requirement because a story is a story you know and if you find and if you find a way to tell that story in a compelling way i just i don't know no i i feel that too because like i've realized that like ethan pointed out to me that like i gravitate towards like these I tend to graduate towards like melodramatic conventions, so very expressive things like that, you know. Um, well, anyway, we're con- we're kind of on the romance uh, film track right now, and Brandon, I want to bring up a movie with you that you- I showed you a little while ago. Um, we didn't watch it together, but I did recommend it. Um, Comrades, almost a love story. I Good love movie. talking about this movie. Good yeah, movie. Uh, you watched it in two forty p. What? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Where did you find this? Was it just some dodgy website? It was like, I think it was like, it was either YouTube or Library Archive. Uh, Okay. And sometimes the transfers on those sites can be pretty awful because we've talked about this numerous times on the podcast, I think, and in person. Mm -hmm. It's extremely hard to find films in their original native language from the East to rent here. Not just to own or to like stream like those that's difficult enough but if i if i can't even rent a movie or like get it from the library and its original form it makes it extremely hard to watch it so i wanted to watch it in the best way intended and unfortunately i had to watch this film in 240p so yeah no yeah i don't blame you dude this is I'm, i'm just glad you got around to see it even a little bit you know um Ethan, this movie, I think, I actually think you'd quite like this movie. It stars Maggie Cheung and Leon Lai. Leon Lai is the lead in Fallen Angels. That isn't uh, Takeshi. Mm-hmm. Um, they play like this couple who, um, oh God, how do I explain this? Like they're like opposites. They, yeah, they're completely opposites. They meet in Hong Kong. One of them is like a, a newly immigrated person from mainland China, um, and yeah, they they form like this unlikely friendship that turns into love and. It has that kind of, uh, what's the word like, uh, w- like, you know that that lightness that you feel with movies like Chung King. You kind of feel like, uh, like almost like a whimsy. There's a certain word. It's like you feel like it's breezy. It's light. It's but it's yeah. also like slow and emotional too. Like there's like by the end of this movie, you're you're kind of like this movie kind of left me feeling the way I did when I saw Past Lives. Towards the end, I kind of feel that too. I kind of feel that. Um, Gave him the same rating too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love Um, it. It's a track story, so I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. You might. You might dig this one. Yeah. Um, It's not always traditional, but it's it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um, That's also a great one. Um, One movie I do want to bring up. uh, Ethan and I we watched together recently. Brandon, I would love. I would love to lend you this Blu-ray. It's a 4K, actually. Um, hey, so a few a few months up. ago, I um, 
I was just on Amazon. I was looking at movies that like, oh, like maybe I could add to my wish list for like eventually I w- I'd like to buy. I came across this movie that was uh, that's being redistributed by Radiance. Um, it's a rest- 4K restoration of this movie called A Moment of Romance. Um, this movie came out in 1990. It stars Andy Lau. Um, and it is... He even said it himself. When we were watching, about halfway through the movie, he he knew that this would become this would be a five star for me, I know. and it it really did. Um, I fell in love with this movie really quickly. Um, I thought it was just so visceral, but also so emotional and romantic, but also kind of somber and tragic at the same time, which is absolutely my shit. Um, it's set in like the most beautiful time in Hong Kong, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it, it is, it is the, it is such a kick-ass movie. The soundtrack's great. Um, it is a great vibe movie as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, fun thing about this movie, it was, uh, pr- it was directed by a director named, oh, yeah, one second. It's right here. Uh, what's his name? By a director named Benny Chan. Um, it's actually the first in a trilogy, but all the trilogy, the trilogy isn't narratively connected. They just have thematic connections. Um, it is beautiful. I, I really dug it. And the movie, um, is, uh, produced by John, the, the great Johnny Toe, which I'm sure will come up later. Um, Johnny, uh, there's also like, you know, not to feed into rumors or what have you, but there is talk that, um, Johnny Toe may have been the director behind the film, uh, and, uh, Benny may not have actually been the director. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's that kind of situation. Um, I've got nothing but good things to say about this movie, so I'm just gonna end stop my part of it. You think you have anything you want to say about this movie? Because I'll go on. Um, yeah, I just so how I found out about this film um, was I was going through. Uh, I wanted to find films that were influenced by sort of city pop, you know, whether that be Hong Kong city pop or Japanese city pop, because I just I love the music genre, you know, and I was just wondering, mm-hmm. it's like. I was wondering, has anybody like compiled a list of films that was like, if you like this music, you'll like these films. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And A Moment of Romance was on there. So I was like, all right, I'll put on my watch list. Looks cool. It's a guy and a girl on a motorcycle. You know, she's wearing a wedding dress. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then, you know, you you were like, hey, I got it on Blu-ray. And I was like, okay, I don't know anything about this, but let's, let's, let's dive in. Let's dig it. Um, and... Yeah. It's an awesome film. Oh my god, it's so. You know, it's just I, cool. I would have brought it. Up, remember the cool movies episode we do with Aiden? I would have brought up this movie in cool movies. Like, yeah, it's it's very similar to Drive, um, in terms of like, and this is what I'll admit: it's very in terms of like sort of m- male wish fulfillment. So I can like understand oh, yeah. if someone would like not be like, because it's sort of like, and it's also sort of like you know uh the rebel character it's the rebel meets like yeah, the innocent it's, girl yeah you know it's, it's your standard um, affair in that regard yeah and uh it's like you just gotta like you gotta let go of like all right i know this story's done been done a hundred times you know but mm-hmm. if you just if you focus on the craft and how they tell it oh man the you know like you said the score is phenomenal like i now i understand why this was put in that city pop list um you know, the sets and the locations were beautiful with the lights. And like, you know, there's a scene that we were talking about this morning, Chris, you and I just can't stop thinking about when she's walking through that club 
later yeah. in, later on in the film in that club. You're just like, oh man, I want to be there right now. It was just mm-hmm. like, it's just it's such a treat for the eyes. The film, um, yeah, and it's it's got great fights, um, gr- a great comedy too. There's this one character who is just, oh my god, he's he's just like killing some, it. You know, dude who lives on the streets and like cleans cars that are parked at a meter, but he was like so funny and he's in the movie a lot and he never like ceases to kill me you know uh yeah every scene he's in he steals yeah it's brandon this is a really good film and once you know once you come pick up your oscar movies from me you gotta you gotta take that and give it a watch i think you'll dig it yeah Um, sounds interesting yeah uh one thing i do want to uh make note of um this is like a little like pamphlet kind of thing that came inside of or on the the Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, the movie pitches itself as a moment of romance features the action and violence reminiscent of uh, of Takashi Miike with the beauty of Wong Kar Wai, which I think now that I've seen what it, weird... yeah, it does. It's a yeah. it's a little crazy out there, combo. Kind of zany. Yeah. Um, and also, um, this movie because it got the restoration, everything. Um, it got you know it came with some special features and a notable special feature is visual essay by Asian cinema expert David Desser. Wait, Professor Desser. Yep, I just found. I just read it. It's there. What? Yeah, he al- David Desser. We love you, oh, man. He, al- he also did the uh, commentary for Ikaru on the Criterion Blu-ray. Yeah, for- guy, he knows his shit. Wow, our old professor from college who taught us yep. the films of Wes Anderson and Karen Kusama is. We just we were finding him pop up in all sorts of media. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that, hilarious. Oh, I that, was just reading. I was like, "There's no way I read that right." And I yeah, sure enough, it is. It's him. He did a commentary for Ikaru. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we man. gotta watch that. <laughs> Imagine watching that guy talk through Ikaru. <laughs> yeah, really. It's uh, you know, <laughs> you know, and there the, he is. Kurosawa really knew what he was doing He's with the, the dying on the set. swing. Mm. He's just yeah. dying on the swing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right nobody knows um, this well we started anyways. we started talking about the action uh stuff so i feel like you know naturally this is a great uh transition moment because we went from romance to romance action yeah and now we're going to action so uh let's just go with this brandon favorite action movie from hong kong uh heroic trio yeah all right yeah. all right yeah. mm. <laughs> Uh, Ethan's grumpy. Ethan's a grumpy. We were supposed to watch boy. this movie together, and y'all just watched it separately without me. It was on, a, it was on it the now. plane I was on. It was, you know, it was available. I didn't know uh, if it was going to get taken off the Criterion channel. Uh, but really, it's like when you. Uh, we've been oversaturated with uh, superhero action flicks, I think. And mm-hmm. it's so nice to see a film that. One isn't really necessarily based off of like a property property, like yeah. maybe myth and legend and stuff like that, but is able to like stylistically reflect the works of uh, like a Sam Raimi, early 2000s, late 90s, dark man sort yeah, of thing. Very zany kind of out there. So. Right. And I don't think it always works with like its humor and the darkness like oh. paired together. Oh, yeah. But like it definitely takes some zany zany swings, and oh, yeah. I gotta respect it because I do care for all the characters in the film, and I do find the story at least very entertaining, if not yeah. 
holy if, ethan you you hate children this is the movie for you you see yeah. so what? many babies die in this movie yeah child ethan, death hey well, probably some of the highest things on me. yeah he fucking he, likes that he likes when babies get <laughs> killed he does no, he's hey, like you want he pushed a baby over at a golden road once what you don't remember that was you at the no that was you why no, are you gaslighting Remember, Chris, he did that. He pushed the kid yeah. over. What kid? There was a kid at the Golden Road Brewery, and he pushed No, that over. was Chris! That was me. <laughs> that was actually Chris. That wasn't me or you. <laughs> okay, so this is a movie for Chris. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Chris bodied but, um, that kid. But the choreography here is kind of insane. Cause, like, it is. I, we the talk a lot. Fantastic. Yeah. We fantastic. We talk about how, like... Um, you know, Jackie Chan films are insane, but I feel like they feel very... It, I feel like they feel out of control, whereas here they're very in control, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's very choreographed and tight. But it feels right, you know, and it doesn't feel yeah. cheap. Like the wire work, yes, it's obvious when there's wire work, but it's like that kind of plays into the charm of it being like a 90s mid-budget Hong Kong action film. Oh, yeah. And it, no, no, and it knows that. It knows that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very good movie. Yeah, very fun movie too. Yeah, Ethan, if you do ever get the chance, I'd love to watch this with you again. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a very fun movie. It, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, it allows itself to kind of point out how stupid everything that's happening is. Maggie Chung has this great bit with a motorcycle. Oh, uh, it's amazing. It's it's great. She's <laughs> awesome in this movie. They're all great in this movie. Well, um, Michelle Yeoh kicks ass. All of them. Yeah. Should we just should we just get into some Johnny Toe? Like make this the Johnny Toe hour. You know what? Yeah, because... since we're 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 on we're on heroic trio, why not? Because he's he has some some of my all time favorite Hong Kong films. Uh, oh yeah. First, I'll start with one of my favorites, Throwdown. Oh my god. Yep. That it, it's such a like just the definition of fun, you know, but not yeah. fun in a way where it doesn't take itself seriously. You know, it takes itself seriously, uh, but it just has so much fun with itself you know yeah um they they like and even when it goes it gets so crazy it always has heart like the relationship between these characters who sort of come together you know um and have to you know uh what what are they say are they like saving that bar and like getting money for it yeah yeah and they're they all have their own little like their own character flaws that they're trying to overcome yeah and it's just great banter. Uh, the scene where they steal the money is so funny when they're at the arcade. Oh, uh, but it's also so it's so like beautiful when they're running in the yeah. streets at the end, and she's like, "Oh God!" Uh, no, yeah, this is a, this but is a it's, beautiful movie. It's a judo movie. All the all the martial yeah. arts in this film are judo, and I love judo. So like, I haven't really seen a film besides, uh, you know, Kurosawa's judo films that he made like in the. I think in the 40s you know uh but this is like this is a judo action film so those the only moves are just like people throwing each other on the ground that's why it's called throwdown you know um Mm -hmm. it's it's a beautiful film it's on criterion uh you gave me this uh what was it for christmas or something your birth no i think it was your birthday a birthday yeah uh and i already it like i loved it just by looking at the cover itself and then watching it just like I've never been like uh my expectations were like exactly met, you know, when I watched it. I'm like, this is gonna be an awesome film when I watched it, I'm like, oh, this was an awesome film, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Throwdown's great. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, no, Throwdown is a lot of fun. I I just felt like so like it's one of those movies where it's it's so light, you know. Like, and even though they're dealing with some real stuff, you know, and there is yeah. violence and whatnot, the movie doesn't make like the movie always keeps you as the audience like kind of lightly going through the story with the characters. You're not like gonna be deeply heartbroken or anything throughout the movie, but you feel like there's something very gratifying throughout this movie, especially since each of the characters are so lovable that you can like you can kind of just hang out with them. It's almost kind of like a hangout movie. Because yeah. they're all just like such chill people and they have their own goals, but they're striving towards them in like a pace that doesn't make you feel like it's like a straight action movie or anything right um it's it's probably um the in, and i mean this in a in a complimentary way the chillest of johnny toe's movies at yeah. least as a director he's yeah. produced a lot of chill stuff um and uh that takes me into um i think one of his heavier movies is called drug war which Ooh, i also watched yep, you i love drug war. um drug war tells a story about um, an undercover cop infiltrating uh, a drug trade, basically. Um, it's about, um, it kind of has this, um, like, throughout the movie, you're always kind of, like, guessing, like, where, how far are they going to take this? And by the end, like, you kind of don't really know which side you're on. Um, by Like, because I think, one, and one thing I really admire about Johnny Toe as a filmmaker is that, he's willing to talk about moral ambiguity and political espionage and shit like that. Because, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's an important thing to talk about. And in this movie, by the end, you're kind of, like, grappling with, is it worse? Like, what's worse, the disorganized cruelty of the criminal underworld or the calculated uh, dehumanization perpetuated by the, by the powers force. that be? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, and... That's why I like about Johnny Toe's films. There's almost kind of like a pervading sense of nihilism throughout a lot of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, that carries over to another film that I've seen of. It's called Election, which is about kind of um, an empty seat at the top of the triad food chain, proverbial food chain, is opened and someone uh, has to fill it, uh, which is a great commentary about uh, systems of power and oppression and policing and whatnot. Um uh, since we're on the Johnny Toe kick, um, yeah. Ethan, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about, about Exiled? Because yes, I have not seen it. Because I was going to bring up Exiled. Because that interweaving nihilist, you know, um, for, like, you know, theme that he has throughout his films. Because um, this film is about a group of friends. Um, I, well, Aiden talked about this on Stacked. If you remember, the film opens up with a group of friends. Uh, coming together to meet to go to this one guy's house and Mm -hmm. two of them are there to protect him and two of them are there to kill him and it just like because it's like um two of them are yeah two of them are hitmen and then two of them are like are gangsters who like want to protect this guy because they're in the gang you know but they've all they've all been friends for a long long time and it's just like Mm -hmm. it's just business you know that it's come to this and yeah um you really get to like Johnny Toe really, like I said, he always has heart in his films, you know? So you really get to understand mm-hmm. like the relationship between all of these men and their friendship and why it's like, 
such a tragic thing that this is happening. Um, but one thing I do want to point out, which I told you about earlier, is just like I've never seen a cinematographer use darkness so well in a film mm. um, by doing so much with so little by shooting characters in the dark where you can like you can like it's it's a weird like paradox you can like perfectly see them but also can't see them at all because it's so dark you know uh and i watched this during the daytime like it wasn't like you know some you know when you're watching a movie during the day and you're like oh fuck i can't see anything that's happening in these like nighttime scenes you know uh that wasn't the case for me like somehow they made it able that you could just perfectly see by like only lighting like certain pieces of like uh a character's face when they're talking you know so you can like see Mm -hmm. their emotions but you can't see their full body and stuff like that um it's awesome and then of course the action it's johnny toe film you know i don't think he's ever disappointed on that that end you know no yeah he Um, he knows his stuff with that yeah so that is that like i would say he's up there like when it comes to like when i think of hong kong you know the hong kong movie scene I, I feel like there's a big three. Do you feel like there's a big three? Like, I feel the, like in terms of directors or in terms of Yeah, like in terms the of directors. Of I think it's Wong Kar Wai, Johnny Toe, and then John Wu. Those are like the three that I think of. Unless you... Mm-hmm. The, well, for me, the way I kind of imagine it is like not so much three directors, more like three genres that I think the region specializes in. Yeah. So I think there's one... And there's intertext between all of them, obviously. But romance so Wong Kar you have your Wong Kar Wai for example for that or your Benny Chan uh Benny Chan yeah um and then uh you have your action so you have your uh you have your Jackie Chan you have your John Woo you might have your Johnny Toe you know he kind of breaches into drama as well there um and you know infernal affairs stuff like that we'll get we'll probably get into that um And then, and then you have your kind of zany comedy like uh, Fat Choice Spirit, Shaolin Soccer, uh, stuff like that, you know. Um, yeah. And I know. And then the, I feel like there's just drama pervading over all of all three of them. Um, yeah. yeah, but that's kind of yeah. No, I, but I see what you're saying. There, the Hong Kong does have its quite a number of prolific uh, uh, auteurs. But then again, this there. is just like an outsider's view. Like when I think of you know. Mm-hmm. Just like what we were talking about with uh, Kurosawa, you know, um, I yeah. don't know, like who's the praise directors there, but from an outsider's view, it feels like those are like that's those are like the Spielberg, Scorsese, and let's see who's the th- who would be a third, uh, Coppola, I guess maybe I don't know. I you guess know? yeah. Uh, oh no! <laughs> Here comes trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon got thrown down. Did Brandon get beat up? Guys, Brandon, if you you probably have noticed, Brandon's been gone for a while. And Chris and I have just been talking, but he's come back with a with toilet paper shoved up his nose. That only can only mean one thing. Brandon, welcome back to the show. Um, yeah. What what happened, man? What what's up? My you look like shit. Like my I was blowing my nose, and then I looked at the stuff in there, and it was orange. 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 Yeah. Orange. Not red. Not like red. Not blood. Not red. Not red. Not yellow. Orange. 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 How orange are we talking about? Like Gatorade orange. What? Oh. Bro, are you you're turning to that fucking LCL fluid from Evangelion? What? <laughs> orange. <laughs> orange. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, well, if anyone um, has any diagnosis for Brandon, leave that in the comments below. Um, <laughs> I'd be really curious. About I mean, what I'm that getting is. over. I, I'm getting over something. But, but what makes is... your snot orange? What's that I don't something? know. I don't. That's know. the thing. I want to know. Doctors, let us know in the comments below. I know a lot of yeah, doctors. Yeah, so all the doctors the listen. Yeah, yeah, doctors love that <laughs> podcast. Uh, you never know. Um, huh. Well, uh, we, uh, Ethan, while we were, while we, yeah, while you were gone, Brandon, Ethan and I went through um, some Johnny Toe films. Um, but we, I kind of want to, since we're kind of in that action uh, kind of spectrum right now, why don't we start talking about John Woo? Because I think we've all seen his trilogy, his hard-boiled killer and better tomorrow unofficial I, trilogy i've only seen uh hard-boiled oh really brand yeah. have you seen all three hard-boiled the killer and a better tomorrow no i've just seen the first two okay you were you were a lot warmer on hard-boiled weren't you uh i think hard-boiled was better just because i think it it committed to what it was doing and the action sequences were way better. I, I just think I'm, I'm not a fan of the noir that comes out of the East, uh, especially Hong Kong. So, cause like, I didn't like infernal affairs. I didn't like, uh, the killer. I did like tar boiled a little bit. It was more, I like the Zanny over the top nature. Like there's this maximalist. We talked about that with RR and in, like India, right? But there's like something maximalist about the films of uh, Hong Kong, like Shaolin Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle, which you know. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. There's, there, yeah, Hong Kong is a very expressionistic, vibrant city. So, you know, I can imagine. Yeah, there would be a maximalist kind of movement going on in the arts. Um, yeah, I I really enjoy Hard Boiled. I think it's so fun. It's a good um, twist turns. It's a lot, and like, I mean, just I mean, just look at that poster. If that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> him holding Chow the baby. Yun fat. But yeah. Fuck. Um and yeah, it's just so much fun. Um John Woo has such a Okay, I is John Woo really well known in in the US? I think so. I think he's per, like I would say out of I think he's the most well known. Because he did uh, U.S. action films. Face like, Off. Like Face Off and Mission Impossible And Mission 2. Impossible 2. Fuck yeah. that. Movie. Mission Impossible 2. I think um, he's one of the most well-known. Interesting. Okay, yeah, because like, like, when I was growing up, like my impression of John Woo, I mean, like I had known he had done some films for Hong Kong and was a filmmaker there. Um, but I always knew him for like the kind of, like he would go for shots of... Um, like the main character is shooting and then those birds will, those doves will fly up behind them. That's oh, kind of like yeah. a signature of his doves flying during, during gunfire. I've um, never noticed yeah. that. Start, start looking around. You'll, 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 you'll start noticing that he loves doing <laughs> that. Um, I like it. Okay. Well, uh, why don't we switch gears over to um, the, probably the most famous person to ever come out of Hong Kong in oh, yeah. uh, the oh. West. Uh you know him. You might love him, uh, Jackie Chan. Uh, we all we all know Jackie Chan. Um, guy has been around for a minute. Uh, he is. Oh man, where do we even begin with this? Uh, he got his start in filmmaking as like a background stunt extra uh, stuntman. Um, for example, he was in Enter the Dragon, 
granted as like a lonely henchman that uh, Bruce Lee elbows in the face and right. actually did elbow right. Jackie in the face. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, kind of through there, he started making a name for himself as, um, you know, a very hardworking, determined stunt person, which eventually led to him getting cast in more roles and then eventually directing his own work. And that's what really put him on the map, at least in Hong Kong scene in 1985, with Police Story, a movie yes. that all three of us have seen. Um, the first Police Story, I think, is one of the great action films in cinema history. Yeah. Um, the scale of it, you know, it's not, there's, it's not like, you know, the world's ending or, like, buildings are collapsing, but it's just the, like, that opening, like, rush down that hill with cars destroying an entire village that they built purely for this film. Everything from that to Bruce, oh, sorry, Bruce Lee, Jesus, Jackie Chan chasing down wow, a bus with, no, with nothing. Okay, alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Whoa. Um, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, um, yeah, he does a lot of crazy fucking shit in this movie. Um, racing down after a bus with an, only an umbrella. There's there's an amazing fight in a uh, shopping mall towards the end, which ends with probably the most dangerous stunt he's ever done in his entire career, sliding down like a sixty foot pole, which is all which all gave which gave him third-degree burns on his hands and broke his um, part of his vertebrae when he landed at the bottom. Um, yeah, this dude's a madman. Uh, but he's gone around. He made his big... Um, he made his big uh, introduction to the West with Rumble in the Bronx in 1995. And then a few years later, uh, became uh, almost like a household name in America with probably one of my favorite comedies ever made, Rush Hour. Um, which I still stand by. I still deeply stand by that movie. Even though, yes, it is certainly offensive and may uh, not apply to the sensibilities of modern day um, culture. Uh, I also do think that Rush Hour is a deeply moving image of Black and Asian solidarity, especially in a time like that, where it wasn't common that you would see two leads of different races, let alone those two races yeah. in a Hollywood yeah. film and be a huge hit in the way it was. This uh, Rush Hour 1 and Rush Hour 2, we don't really talk about the third one, but uh, Rush Hour 1 and Rush Hour 2 are <laughs> fantastic. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, what is your guys... <laughs> what, is, what are your, your guys' favorite um, Jackie Chan movies? Uh, let's start with you, uh, Brandon. Not a really big fan of Jackie Chan, but The Legend of the Dragon Master was probably my favorite. Okay, that's fair. That's a fun one too. Oh yeah, that's a cool. That's a cool. I I just think it's gimmick. yeah yeah. I it's a great <laughs> it's a great idea to like have a yeah. character who is essentially like getting better at <laughs> yeah to draw. I love and drunk getting character. better at a skill. True. Um. Legend of the Drunk Master is good. I've been on a big Jackie Chan watch this year because I I love him. Can't get enough. Of him. Uh, Police Story, like you said, Chris, that one's probably his magnum opus. I think that's the one I'll always think of him by. Um, but of course, there's so many other good ones. Um, I mean, Rumble in the Bronx. It's like a half. You know, it is. It was produced by a Hong Kong uh, production company, but it made in America. 
but I still count it, you know. Uh, I think it's great. Police Story 3, Super Cop, Meet the Cop Who Can't Be Stopped, um, with Michelle Yeoh. That one has fantastic action sequences. Um, what else we What else are we looking at here? You know, <laughs> maybe the ones that we've been watching recently haven't been as good, like uh, First Strike. Uh, First Strike was not that hot, yeah. Shanghai Noon. <laughs> that's not a that's not a Hong Kong film though. Um, Police Story Two is good. Police Story Two is good, but it's yeah. not as good as the one and three. Um, yeah. But of just the thing that makes Jackie so phenomenal is his ability to um, to fuse high choreo- choreographed action, martial arts action, with physical comedy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of was like that sort of made the 20s and 30s of comedy. You know, that he's going all the way back to like uh, Charlie Chaplin and Harold Lloyd and stuff like that. And the way he like gets hurt, expresses stuff, falls in all these coincidences, you know. Um, yeah. No one has ever done it like him and no one ever will, I don't think. Um He's just like, yeah, say what you will about him as a person, you know. I, yeah, definitely. You know, but uh, he like he is just one of the best entertainers, I think, that has ever lived. Just because oh, yeah. he's, uh, his way of filmmaking is so pleasing to all sorts of types of entertainment, you know. Or there yeah. be action, comedy, you know. Uh, there's also some romance in his films, you know. Um it's just, it's great. He's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. He's uh, he's done a bunch of, like, these other, like, kind of B-movies. Um, I'm talking, like, Spinex Door. Uh, I'm talking The Medallion. Uh, the Nice Guy. Hidden Strike. That came out recently. Uh, oh, yeah. Skip Trace that. with Johnny Knoxville. That's kind of crazy yeah. that that exists. Um, also, uh, before we move on from Jackie Chan, just real quick. Great voice actor. Yeah. Uh, Kung Fu Panda, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, what else is he in? He's also in. Oh, he's also in the Lego Ninjago movie, um, oh, yeah. which I watched with Brandon in theaters. That was great. Um, yeah, yeah, Jackie Chan. He's he's the guy. Um, Brandon, do you have a movie you want to bring up that I that yeah. hasn't been discussed yet? Uh, let me look at my list. We're encroaching on an hour here, so we can start going. Um, Raise the Red yeah. Lantern, good movie. Yeah, that is a that is a China Wait. and uh, Hong Kong collaboration. Don't you mean? I, I, yeah, I know that movie by another name. Um, what um, is that? What is who that? Was it that's right. I, I Cody, it. come come on in. No, I don't know. are you sure? I don't know. It right. it doesn't matter. All right. uh, but it's a good movie. <laughs> it's it's a it's a great drama about it is fitting into a, a society that is traditional but trying to also break out of it with the, the types of female characters that are in it they're strong yeah. female characters even though they're in a really ri- rigid class system uh also shaolin soccer and uh kung fu hustle i know i mentioned oh. them earlier but i i really oh, enjoyed the energy and oh. maximalism of those films so much that oh, was yeah. so fun steven chow's a crazy great. man he, yeah he's a, he's fantastic he he is Honestly, I think one of the better comedy directors of our time. Um, I wish he made more movies. Uh, he's there's a movie that I've been wanting to show you guys, and we talked about it once. A, 
about food movies. Of I talked about God of Cookery. Yes, that movie's so funny. I need to it's see like that movie. It's I like it. how do I put this? It's like it's like Ethan. Imagine the zaniness of Fat Choice Spirit with like the with like Ratatouille <laughs> as like a subject. I need that so um, bad. Yeah, but um, no, Stephen Chow's the man. Uh, he really knows his stuff. Um, Kung Fu Hustle, I think, is one of the best uh, best comedy films, period. But also, probably the best comedy film to come out of Hong Kong. Um, I just mentioned this movie, Fat Choice Spirit. Yeah. I showed it to Ethan. It's like this Mahjong movie. Another Andy Johnny Lau Toe that we missed. The, we should have talked about. Another Johnny Toe, yeah. He, is, did he direct or did he produce? I think he co-directed. Okay. Yeah, I think he might have co-directed. Um, yeah, with Wake Up. Yeah, this fight. movie's Fat Choice. Yeah. The... Patrick Spirit is a lot of fun. Uh, Andy Lau plays this character who's like, he was, we find out throughout the movie how this happened, but he is given this almost like kind of supernatural talent with Mahjong. Like, he cannot help but win. And, but then the movie is also about like being humble and learning to prioritize the things that mean the most to you. You know, it's your standard affair with this kind of shit. But... It is a very fun movie. There's a lot. There's a whole. There's a whole sequence that is a parody of Chunking Express. Yeah. Um, the cleaning yep. scene, which is so much fun. Um, yeah, I, I think this movie's a, a great time. Uh, I would recommend it to anyone. Yes. Um, sp- speaking of movies to recommend people, Brandon, I have another Hong Kong movie to recommend you. You're a ba- you're a Bond guy. I want Damn. you to watch From Beijing with Love. From Beijing with is it a parody? It is a dead dead on parody of uh, of. Uh, from Russia with love. Well, um, I love from Russia with love. Yeah. I like yeah, it's it's sixty five percent of the Bond movies. Yeah. But I own them all, so it's a uh, and like the thing about that makes this movie so fun. Why? On top of the fact that it is like a parody of that, what is that? It's it's zany as hell. Like the movie brings in like almost like a heroic trio kind of quality to it. There's a character who literally launches their fist out of their their arm and like it flies like a rocket and punches someone whoa metal, cool. metal gear shit yeah, yeah. it's a Metal Gear five um we're kind of getting towards the hour mark here Are there i want to talk that you guys want to get in here that, yeah i want to talk one that neither of you two have seen um all right hit it all right here's here's my pitch for this movie um legend of the drunken master meets scooby-doo it's called Encounters of the Spooky Kind. And um, Sounds like an alien movie. No. It's a it's a ghost movie. Um and it's about this guy who's just like uh Whoa, what is this? <laughs> he's just like this uh, this fat guy who's just like really good at fighting and he fears nothing. Um <gasps> when and then oh, he has to like fight okay. ghosts and zombies and stuff. And it is an insane film um, about just like this guy, like this this goofy schlub oh, guy. Oh, Samuel Hung. Yeah, who has to just fight all of these like spirits, all these like um, yeah spirits and zombies and vampires and stuff. And it's just like it's one of the most insane movies I've ever seen. And yeah. one of the best. Oh my god, one of the best endings. It's so. We, okay, I gotta find a way to watch this movie with you guys because I want to see your reaction to the ending. It's and the Halloween's coming up, so this would be great. Yeah, this would be a good Halloween watch, honestly. Definitely. I wonder if I could find this um, on DVD or something. But yeah, I if great film. 
if anyone listening has uh, played or heard of the game Sleeping Dogs, there is a there's like a DLC they did where you fight ghosts, and I think they loosely based it off this movie. Uh, because I remember seeing a still from it a while ago, and I think that's where I'm associating it. Oh, really? But um, that's crazy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, that's a cool, cool pull, Ethan. I don't, I wouldn't I've have never heard of it. You even thought put of it, it? Yeah, put but it, it on does look like it's a lot of fun. Oh, it's on Criterion. Highly recommend. But yeah, I think. Um, let's see. Besides that, um, I mean, Fallen Angels. We've. You know, we talk, we've talked about that a bit on the show. Yeah. Happy Together, another really good Wong, Wong Kar Wai film. Um, uh, Shaolin Soccer, Kung Fu Hustle, Razor Lantern, As Tears Go By is really good. Yeah. Um, Days of Being Wild, I'm just now naming Wong Kar Wai films. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's all I, I have, got. I have, a f- yeah. I have a few to throw out there, but Brandon, do you have anything? Any last things, or do you think you're pretty clear here? Okay. Um, cool. Okay. Well, the last things that I want to throw out there is um, Anne Hui as a director. Um, frankly, there are not very many prolific female directors in Hong Kong. I blame the industry for not giving them them much representation. However, from the f- from the few that I have uh, come across, the one that really stands out to me is Anne Hui. Um, she is like, like in her own right, like almost like an Agnes Varda for. Like what Agnes Varda was for French New Wave, Anne Hui is for Hong Kong. Um, Anne Hui directed this movie called Boat People, which I've talked about briefly in the past, you know, in previous episodes. It's a very political movie about Hong Kong, but she frames it in relation to Vietnam uh, during the '60s, I believe the '60s. Um, she also made this wonderful um, down-to-earth drama starring Andy Lau uh, called A Simple Life. Um, I really recommend that. Ethan and I have also seen another horror movie produced in Hong Kong called The Eye. Uh, oh yeah, I do. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah, that movie's scary as shit. That's a there's an elevator movie. scene. I'm. I will never. Yeah. The elevator, oh. the hospital. Um, Oof. Yeah. A uh, couple last ones. Uh, I just just because we're on we're in the political talk. Um, Ten years. Joshua, teenager versus superpower. Revolution, Revolution of, of our times. Yeah. And a new one uh, that's pretty hard to access, but I'm one of the fortunate uh, folk that managed to snag a Blu-ray of it. Uh, Blue Island. Uh, highly recommend that. Um, last, the last thing I want to throw out is a couple of the great uh, international collaborations between Hong Kong and other countries. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Hong Kong in recent years has not been, um, you know, as prolific of a locale just because of filming restrictions and whatnot. And, you know, that's a whole can of worms to open. Um, mm. But some of my favorite collaborations that they've done uh, around the world um, some of them are just like funding, some of them producing, and some of them just filming. Uh, Rush Hour, obviously, that's a big one. Uh, Ethan, you know the actor Louis Koo? He was in Drug War, he's in Fat Choice Spirit as the brother. Does sound familiar at all? L-O-U-I-S-K-O-O? Um, yes. Yes, I know his face. Uh, he, f- he helped to fund Mitchells vs. the Machines. Huh? I don't know. He struck, he struck a deal with Netflix. I don't know. I don't... Just Google, I googled it. I don't... I saw Mitchell's on the letterbox, like in Hong Kong region. I was like, mm. I, but then I, I don't, yeah, it. I don't trust letterboxes things about where, but like, I, the but dude, or... Google, Google Lewis Koo and Mitchell's versus the like, machine. why is the revenant there? Letterbox. It's I, I favorite Hong Kong is. film, the revenant. <laughs> I can understand like 
um, Blade Runner because they take influence and they and that there's partly that. A City of Sadness is a great collaboration between Hong Kong and Taiwan. I think that movie represents both of those countries and their relationship to China very well. Um, Contra Tiger, Hidden Dragon, The Dark Knight. Scary stories we're getting to into tell just, in the dark. What? Yeah, now we're just talking about places that Now you see me? <laughs> yeah, see, I think it's now like, you I think that's like filmed or like there's an actor from Hong Kong yeah. or something. I think that's how Letterboxd includes it. So it just makes it a little yeah. messy. I don't know. Yeah. All but right. Either way, uh, that's pretty much all I've got as well. Yeah. So I hope you all learned something about Hong Kong and its uh, prolific Hong film Kong? industry there. <laughs> Hong Kong. Should I? Do you oh, think I if, can legally uh, end this episode with that song? Maybe you can. Give it a shot. But for anyone listening, search up Hong Kong by Y U N O. You know, Miles. You'll yes, you'll thank and, me later. And remember, the, Chris is the one who found the song, not me, not little white me. It's, this is Chris. All right, Brandon. Okay, before Brandon, are you okay? Are you feeling all right? Yeah. Okay, I hope you're doing all right. You've been quiet this episode, so I hope you feel better. I, I know you're a little sick. Um, now nah, he's fallen to the floor. Hope your snot turns green. Um, <laughs> green That's like worse. The oak. That's worse. That's, what do you mean? Yeah, green snot is worse than yellow. It's. I'd say it's better than Gatorade orange. I don't know. <laughs> I well, I hope it's clear then. That's the healthiest one, right? We'll see what happens. Okay. So, so you know, shall. that'll be the cliffhanger. Next episode of Stacked. Let's see if Brandon, Did Brandon is live? alive. Let's see if he lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Lazy. If he dies, I'm never going to upload this episode. Um, anyways, thank you all so much for listening. You have um, my permission. And what, who made this song? Who made this song? You know Miles. You know Miles? Take it away. Say I'm out of town. I'm in Hong Kong. I don't care about fight. I'm in Hong Kong. Come and looking for me. I'm in Hong Kong.